Hey guys, it's Miller. Just finished preaching on knowing the Holy Spirit. Uh, next to salvation through the gospel, I don't know of a topic that has matured me and transformed my life personally more uh, than understanding and knowing uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. I pray that this message encourages you. I pray that it ignites a hunger and a pursuit in knowing the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's notes online that you can find that I refer to in the message, uh, but please, uh, Jesus, ignite hunger through this message, I pray in Jesus' name. going to share it, but I feel like I need to. Um, uh, I just sense there's a clear line tonight in the sand. And, uh, and I, I just, I say this with, yeah, just out of obedience, but um, if, if you're living a life of duplicity, A double life. You're, you're one thing to one group of people and another thing to another group of people. I, I've, I sense the fear of the Lord um, over this season and, and decisions that you're making outside of this room. And he, here's the warning. Um, I, I feel like there's some that are, uh, maybe it's just one person, but I feel like you're taking pills. Um, you, you're dabbling in substance that it, it's life or death. It's life or death. And I feel like the Lord in his mercies is, is, is warning you clearly. Stop. 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 It's bigger than you think. And the slope is slipperier than you realize. I just hear him say stop. So um, it's in mercy. It's not, it's not, it's not. We just walk through all that he is and all that he declares over you, but this, your decisions matter. It's not a pill. I actually sense it's it's a I think the number one killer, I may be making this up, I think I heard this number one killer for young adults um, right now in in the state of Texas is fentanyl. Um, and and that you're not taking, you have no idea what's in that pill. That it's not, it's not that you overdose, it's that you're actually taking something that's poisonous and it will kill you. And I just, I just sense the Lord confronting that tonight. Um, so this might be for one person, but it's worth it. So uh, Lord have mercy 
and, and bestow grace upon that life, uh, grip their heart. And I pray that if that's you, if, if, if that's the life of duplicity, you're in a really, really, really good place tonight um, with people that love you and can walk with you, but we can't do it alone. And so all you have to do is, is reach out. If you came with a friend or tonight after service, there will be a ministry team. Um, but get help if you need it, because it's available in here. And God would stop the meeting just to tell you these things. Amen? Amen. Um, gosh, man, I've been teaching and preaching for 23 years, and I've never felt the gripping of God like this. Have mercy, Lord. Um, and I also just, this environment, it's rare air tonight. Uh, this atmosphere is uh, very holy. It's a sacred space. And, um, it says a lot about uh, your heart and your pursuit of him. And Jesus, we just thank you for your nearness. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Acts 3.19, it talks about uh, seasons of refreshing in the Holy Spirit. And when you came to refresh, you came to refresh your people. And we're just so grateful for your faithfulness and your nearness. Uh, we love you. We love you. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 14. Thank you, Jaylu. Can y'all give it up for Jaylu? Thank you, Bob. <laughs> I love Jaylu. I'll get through my message tonight fully, but I'm going to try. I just want to keep a just open heart before the Lord and what he wants to do. Uh, I preached this morning and started a, a theme that I'm going to continue through the month of November. Uh, on knowing the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know of a subject that's changed my life more uh, outside of hearing the gospel and giving my life to Jesus. Nothing has matured me in my faith in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I want to talk about you knowing the Holy Spirit. Um, it's, it's really crucial. You can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't know that growing up. I knew I could have a relationship with Jesus. I knew I could have a relationship with his father, but I did not know I could have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I, Jesus, Jesus went to heaven in order to ask his father to send him, who is the Holy Spirit, who's among us tonight. And, uh, and so for some of you, this may be just a good reminder and might renew your mind. Um, into uh, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for others of you, this might be the first time you've heard something like this, and, um, and that's really exciting for me, uh, to know that you've been in this room and 
just to, to give you the permission to go after uh, the Holy Spirit. But let me show you the scripture where it talks about knowing the Holy Spirit. Um, it's John 14, verse 16. Uh, this is Jesus saying, I will ask the Father. So Jesus... Jesus says, I will ask my Father, our Father, the Father. And what I'm going to ask him is that he will give you another. So the Son asked the Father to send another, that he may be with you forever. Everyone say forever. So forever includes us. Amen. And here's the knowing part. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. Everyone say, but you. But you know him. You know him. So you can know him. Who's him? The spirit of truth. Who's him? The Holy Spirit. And there's two reasons you can know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So there's two dimensions of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is in you, but the Holy Spirit is also with you. Uh, and there's a difference between the in you reality and the with you reality. So part of knowing him is to know the difference between the in you and the with you. You will know him. How will you know him? Because he abides. How does he abide? He abides in you internally and with you. So there's an internal reality, and I think the with you is an external reality. There's an in you and with you reality of knowing the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and this request from the Son uh, would be after his burial, well, his death, his burial, um, his resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation, which he was given the name above all names, and then he was seated at the right hand of his Father. And so the first thing he did with a smile on his face is he said, Lord, send them the helper. Who's the helper? The one that we know, the one that will be in us and with us. Um, this, this reality has the potential to change everything for you tonight. Um, I, I knew of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit. Um, one of the prayers that I'm going to encourage you to pray uh, this week in your, your time with the Lord is, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Everyone say that with me. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. That's, that prayer is a fair play for anyone that's in Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. He wants to be known. He wants you to know him. In fact, Jesus wants you to know the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, I thought I was going to know Jesus. Well, good news is that the Holy Spirit's favorite subject is Jesus. And guess what? As soon as you start talking to Jesus, Jesus gives you more of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you can't not know one and not know the other. So, uh, but, but there is um, an acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit, an acknowledgement of his work, an awareness of him that's really important. And... Uh, you know, one of the things that I think the Holy Spirit initially uh, wants to do is he wants to introduce himself into your past. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit 
will initially, and it still does today in my life, but it, his initial work is to liberate. So when you think about knowing the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants you to be free. He wants you to be free because he wants to be Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit does. And under his lordship, you receive freedom. Now, when, 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 when I was saved, I was saved when I was 22, 1998, it was a while ago. And uh, I came to the Lord pretty broken. Uh, I, I, I was, kind of grew up a religious kid. I uh, grew up in the church, a fairly traditional church. It wasn't Baptist, but it would be equivalent to. And, um, you know, we, we had a high value for the word. And so when I got saved, um, I studied scripture, I prayed, and I served the Lord. And eventually, I, I took a job in ministry. I was a business major, but the hand of the Lord was just on me. Like, I, I should have gotten a number of business jobs, but every time the people would, I remember one guy, he was like, I should hire you, but I can't. I don't know why, I just can't. And it was like Jonah running from the call, and finally, I took this position in youth ministry in Trophy Club, Texas. And, um, and about two years into serving the Lord, uh, my life took a turn for the worst. Uh, it was worse than when I had been uh, you know, drinking and partying, even I came pretty broken sexually to the Lord, which we've talked openly about. I've shared a lot of my story with you guys. And, uh, and what I didn't realize is, is that there was some areas in my life that hadn't been liberated yet, specifically around shame and guilt. And so in this season, I, I really became depressed uh, clinically. And, uh, and my depression was marked by anxiety and panic attacks. And um, I went to a doctor and started sharing, a psychologist started sharing things that were happening with me, and uh, he diagnosed me as obsessive compulsive. And if you don't know what obsessive compulsive is, I didn't know the term at the time, but obsessive compulsive, it's like when your brain gets locked on a subject, on a thought, and it can't stop thinking about that subject or that thought. Literally, your brain gets locked. And so I would wake up and I would begin to think specifically about this area, and I could not stop thinking about it. It was, it was an imbalance chemically. And uh, I began to, to become suicidal. Um, I've never thought about harming myself, but in that season, I understood uh, what a spirit of suicide felt like, what the feeling of suicide and self-harm felt like. It was like the lights in my head went off, only way to describe it. And, and so I was open. I, I shared it with my parents. I shared it with some friends. I shared it with some elders. And, uh, and, and I was desperate. I was really desperate. I had no idea, you know. I was like, Jesus, I came to you. I thought my life would get better. And, uh, and it wasn't. And so Bob, uh, an elder at this church, who um, a spiritual father, he's now with the Lord, a really unique man, he came over to my apartment on a Monday, and he said, hey, I want to take you somewhere. And I said, well, where do you want to take me? He said, I've never been here, but uh, it's a prayer meeting, and I think I've heard stories about it. It's really weird. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I hop in his truck, and we drive to this prayer meeting, and it was like, in our tradition, it was people from the tradition that I was in, but it was like this underground prayer meeting. It was like a speakeasy for prayer meetings. If you know what a speakeasy is, a speakeasy is like a hidden bar, 
You know, you've got to know where the door is to get into it. That's how this prayer meeting was. Like, they don't advertise it. The only way you're going to know about this prayer meeting is if someone knows about the prayer meeting and they take you there. And so I walk in, and there's probably 30 or 40 people, and it was very expressive, similar to tonight in worship. And I was actually way out of my comfort. Um, I was looking around. I was like, man, these people are off. Something's weird. Um, And here I was depressed and anxiety and you know, suicidal, but they're the weird ones. And, uh, and so I, I, I sat down and I was just kind of watching people and observing and just trying to figure out what they knew that I didn't. And, uh, and this man got up, uh, Bill was his name. And he said, well, this is our prayer meeting. We worship, but then we spend time listening to the Lord. And some of my friends who, they were prophetic, um, they were able to hear the Lord for other people, stood up in front of the room. And this first guy got up, and his name was Michael. And Michael looked right at me, sitting on the front row. And, uh, and he said these words. He says, the Lord sees you tonight, and he knows what happened to you when you were 13. And by God's mercy, he came and stepped forward and began whispering into my ear exactly what happened when I was 13. Exactly what happened. And I broke down crying. I was overcome with the fear of the Lord. I fell on my knees in tears. And I said, I said, God, you're here. I said, God, you're here. And I just, that's all I could say is, God, you're here. And in that moment, I was questioning everything. In that moment, I mean, I, I was at... I was in crisis mode. I had a doctor tell me that that obsessive compulsive disorder, you'll never get over it. You're going to deal with this the rest of your life. We'll give you medication. We'll, and, and I mean, I was just like overwhelmed with all that was before me. And here I am crying in this room saying, God is truly here. And that night I went and I was in seminary in West Texas, traveling back and forth while doing ministry. And that night, I, I love the Bible. I'm like, you know, was this new age? <laughs> I had never experienced something like it. And so I flipped open my Bible, and I was like, I think this is 1 Corinthians 14 material, which talks about the spiritual gifts. And so I started reading through 1 Corinthians 14, and I landed on uh, verse 24. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24, it says this, but if all prophesy... 1 Corinthians 24, I want you to see this. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters. So ungifted means maybe not acquainted with or familiar with the gift. So I would fit into that category. An unbeliever, ungifted man enters. He's convicted by all, and he is called to account by all. Look at the next verse, 25. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face Worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. And I was like, okay, that happened to me tonight. <laughs> like, that was this and this was that. And, and at that moment in time, I had been following the Lord for about four or five years. My, my paradigm my box got obliterated, got obliterated. Um, and I, guess what, went back to the speakeasy weird prayer meeting. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I would begin to have encounters with the Holy Spirit 
that I didn't know you could have. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think it's, it's been mistaught. Um, God's not a formula. It's not an equation. Not like when you receive it. You receive it here or there, and do you get that gift or that gift? It, I just want you to know it's in play, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I remember one time J.R. was this joyful man, prayed over me, and it was like liquid, hot lava. <laughs> just went from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I got delivered. I got delivered. I got delivered from condemnation. I got delivered from shame. The things that he spoke to me about when I was 13 were things that had happened to me that no one knew about, that I had shared with no one. But you know who knew? The Lord. He saw it. And, and so uh, the result of me encountering the Holy Spirit was freedom. It was liberty. It was it was a liberty that only he could bring. And it's what Christ came to do. He came to set us free. But freedom is sourced by truth and the Spirit. Um, and so that began my journey with the Holy Spirit just in a very personal, intimate way. I didn't know what to do with that experience. I didn't know how to bring that out into the open in light of where I was ministering and who I was running with. And so I didn't. Um, I got hired at another church uh, in Dallas, uh, was a young adult pastor, went from a really, really small church, about 7,500 people, to a church of almost 4,000. Uh, I had a young adult group of a couple of hundred people. And, uh, and the senior pastor invited me to a conference. I had never been to a conference. I didn't know about conferences. And uh, this one was called Texas Ablaze. <laughs> Tells you a little bit about the conference. And uh, was in the Trinity Ballroom. Uh, off 114 by the airport. And, uh, and so I went because my senior pastor asked me to go and he was my boss and figured I needed to show up. And, and I, I went in and, you know, that little prayer meeting that was like a speakeasy that I was super weirded out by, this was that on steroids. <laughs> like this was, I guess it's what some people might feel when they walk into the upper room for the first time. Like, <laughs> I mean, they had flags, they had banners, um, there were people like shaking on the ground. I, it, it, I described it that day, I described it as it looked like it was spring break for middle-aged women. Like, <laughs> they were having so much fun, I, I could not, I was again, I'm like looking at it outside and I'm like, this is the strangest environment, the strangest environment. Uh, a lady by the name of Patricia King spoke that night, and I don't remember what she spoke on. I just remember at the end, she stepped down stage and started laying hands on people, and everyone started falling down. And again, I'm just like, and I, I was offended. I was offended for my pastor for inviting me to this event. That's the state that I was in. And, and so I, I wanted to go shake his hand, and I was looking around the place. There were about 2,000 people there. It was really crowded, and I found a guy that I really admire and respect. He's an incredible preacher, still one of my best friends to this day. And he's super polished, like hair in place. He's always shirt tucked in. He's just a very dignified dude. 
Um, just that's the nature of his personality. And so I find him, and his shirt is untucked. His hair is all over the place. It looks like he's been rolling on the ground. And he walks up, and he grabs my face, and he goes, isn't this awesome? And, uh, and I was like, no. Like, no, it's not awesome. And, uh, and so um, I left, and, and I, was, I was offended. I didn't want to go back. In fact, I told myself I'm not going back. Um, I took a friend with me, and they were offended, and we were, like, trying to process it, and we were just, our hearts weren't in a good place in light of what we had been through. But um, the next morning, I was in my office, and uh, I'm like, I don't want to talk about the night before. And I'm working, I'm reading my Bible, and just wondering how I'm going to talk about it to my boss and senior pastor. And, and I kid you not, the electricity in the church goes out that morning. Electricity out. And I hear these step, feet coming up the steps, like almost sprinting. And it's, it's, it's my senior pastor boss, and now, you know, who's a good friend. But he runs into my office, and he bangs on my desk. And he goes, the power's out. I said, I know. And, <laughs> And he grabs me by the face, and he goes, the conference starts in 15 minutes, let's go. And so it was a morning session. And so his interpretation is the power was out here, I'm going to go get power at the conference. And so he throws me in his car, because I have to go. And so he takes me back for the morning session. And, uh, and I am just, again, like, walled off, I'm in the back, and... Uh, and Patricia King begins teaching again. And um, for the first time, this was before, uh, we had cell phones then, but this is before cameras were on phones. So there, like, the stuff you see on the streets and a lot that we document, it just wasn't readily available then. But she had taken a, a media team and they had filmed uh, people ministering on the streets. And they were specifically using the gift of prophecy. And I'd never seen prophecy used in evangelism. My only experience with prophecy was in that prayer room. But I watched what happened to me in that prayer meeting when I exclaimed, God is truly among you. I watched this media team film people on the streets of Vegas and prophecy was used. And I, you literally saw them fall to their knees and start to worship the Lord because of prophetic words that were given to them. And as I'm watching this, it, it, the walls in my heart were just like... And, and I began to like really be touched by the Lord, like thinking, because I love, I mean, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Like, I'm not a pastor because it's my profession. I would choose another profession, truthfully. Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful I get to do what I do, but this wasn't my plan. So I'm not a professional Christian. It's not my thing. I just want, I, I love Jesus. He's changed my life. Truly. And, and I'm seeing people encounter Jesus. And, and, and I'm, I'm not emotional like this, but inside, my heart's just breaking because of what I'm witnessing. And as Patricia's talking, it was, it was three times the size of this room. So there's probably 800 people in this room. I bet there were 2,500 people. And I'm in the back. And as she's teaching, she stops. She goes, young man. She points to the back, and my friend, who's the guy that originally prophesied with me was there, Michael, he stands up, 
Because they're like, everyone knows Patricia, she's prophesied, she she prophesied there are people, and I don't have a clue, but he stands up and she goes, no, not you. Then another man stands up and she goes, no, not you. She goes, you, young man. And everyone's looking around, and finally they look to me, and they like pull me up. And she goes, yes, you. And she said, I see an angel of the Lord hovering above you. And I was like, what? And she said, the Lord's testifying to uh, a calling that you have. when it comes to evangelism, and, I, and he, she ends up prophesying um, over me things I'm doing today. And, uh, and I never had an experience like that, but, um, but she ends up praying for all my friends. We meet her after, and they all fall down, and nothing happened to me, which I was really bummed about. <laughs> um, and, then, and then that evening, Bill Johnson spoke for the first time. First time to ever, I never heard of Bill Johnson, didn't know anything about Bethel, didn't know anything about anything. And Bill, actually, what I loved about Bill was his teaching style. It just really resonated with me. And, um, and, and, uh, and that, that evening, so, so then the Lord, environments like that can be sticky. And what I mean by that is, is uh, when you get around an atmosphere that is sensitive, where there's spiritual activity, holy spirit activity, it can get sticky. It can, you start to dream. You start to, uh, there's atmospheres where prophecy flows easier. And so um, in that environment, things got sticky and I started to have dreams. And so uh, during that conference, I ended up going to all the sessions and got over my fences and just started to see the fruit of it in my life. But I had a dream. Uh, this was probably the second or third night of the conference. And in the, in the dream, I was in a field, and, <clears throat> and in the field were these electricity poles, like, like the wooden, you know, old-timey poles, and at the top of it were, were two transistors. I would call them transistors. I don't know what they're called, but that hold the electricity, and then, you know, the, the electrical lines go from pole to pole, and I'm in this field, and I'm following these lines, and you can literally see the electricity flowing through the lines, and I got to the last uh, pole after walking a while, and this, the last pole's leaning against this old white church. And I, I, would, I would later find out that the church I was working for um, was planted in 1906 in Farmer's Branch. And it was a hundred years celebration, it was 2006. And so the poles are leaning on this church, which it was real specific at the time what God was doing in the church. But as I look back, the, the, the electricity poles start to fall, and that last one that was on the church fell off, and the, 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 the electrical transistor blew up, and the electric substance flew, and it landed on my eyes. And in the dream, and you know how dreams are, but it, it literally burnt a hole in my eyelids. And I remember in my dream, I was trying to close my eyes, but I could still see. And the Lord said, you're not going to be able to close your eyes to what I've done and what I'm about to do. And that began my journey in understanding who the Holy Spirit is, both personally, but also ministerially and building environments sensitive to the presence of Jesus. And I say all that because I I want you to know where I come from. I I didn't grow up... um, in a Pentecostal charismatic environment. Um, I I don't really see myself as that, even though I know that we're leading a movement that 
is marked by that. Um, but I, I love the word of God. I spend a lot of time in the word of God. And uh, I want to be extremely conservative when it comes to the word. Like I wanna be, I wanna be a Bible man. But what I'm learning is the more I understand the Bible, the more it makes me uh, progressive when it comes to traditions, when it comes to denominations, when it comes to maybe people's perspective and understanding of the word, and the Holy Spirit is one of those topics. And I believe, uh, especially in our city, uh, we, need, we need to repent and embrace the Holy Spirit. And, and, and really, <laughs> it starts on an individual level. It starts with me as a pastor. It starts with me as a teacher. And then I think as us as followers of Jesus, really understanding why the Holy Spirit was so important to Jesus, why Jesus said, it's better that I physically leave the earth so that I can send another. Like, that's not just theology. That's reality. Jesus is saying, it is to your advantage that, that, that Jesus himself isn't standing behind this pulpit teaching. It's to your advantage that I send this other one. And, and I, I, don't, I don't fully even understand what it all means, but I know there's more, and I want to provoke us into that as a community and culture. So um, let, me, let me just walk you through. I know it's, it's, it's a little later than normal, but I'm, just hang on. So I have notes for you. This is amazing. We have a QR code. I know, you're going to love this. Take out your phones and snap that. And you can take this, and I want you to study. I'm not going to walk through everything that's on here. I'm not going to walk through everything that's on here. But this is a great resource for you in understanding the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, the first point on there is the person of the Holy Spirit via Jesus. And I said via Jesus because it's through the words of Jesus. And, and so uh, the first thing is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Everyone say he's a person. So uh, Jesus doesn't call him an it, doesn't call him uh, a thing. He calls him a person. A, a masculine pronoun is used, and it's he. So look at this, John 14, 16, um, which is what we just spoke about, that I'm going to send another, that he may be with you forever. Everyone say he. And then it says in 17, the next verse, the world cannot receive him. Everyone say him. But you know him because he abides in you and will be with you. You have your notes there. Repeat these things. Ready? The Holy Spirit will teach you all things will testify about me. He will testify about who? Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes to testify about Jesus. Uh, John 16, 7, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. There you go. And when he comes, who's he? Holy Spirit. Uh, John 16, 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, will guide you. John 16, 13, will we'll not speak on his own initiative. Sorry, I took your place. Uh, but whatever he hears will speak and 
will declare. So 16 times in the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a he. He's a person. He's a person. He's a person. Pronouns are a big deal in our culture today. Am I right? Well, the Holy Spirit has a pronoun. Holy Spirit ain't a they. Holy Spirit ain't a she. Holy Spirit is a he. He's a he. I had a friend that was getting surgery uh, on his knee, and the nurse said, uh, what do you identify as? And he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, what pronouns do we need to call you? He thought about it, and he said, I'm a they. And I was like, you said that? And he's like, yes. I was like, well, why'd you say that? And he said, well, I'm glad you asked because she didn't. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, she wouldn't ask why I said they. So I said, he told the nurse, he said, do you want to know why I identify as a they? And she goes, no, it's none of my business. And so he was like, well, I want you to make it your business. Ask me. And so she said, the nurse said, well, why are you called a they? And he said, because the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost live inside of me. I <laughs> thought that was really good. But, man, what's happening, what's happening culturally, the spirit of this age, I mean, part of John, I'm, I'm not, I self-restrained today by going off on this topic, but, you know, in John 14, after he says, I'll send this one that will be with you and in you, in verse 18, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. It's a spirit of sonship. It's a spirit of adoption. And we live in a fatherless society. We live in a time where a generation seeking identity that they're making up. Just, yes, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is a person. The Spirit has a pronoun, and it's he. So what makes up a person? This is point two. Um, someone said, well, a person is something that's alive, and it's like, okay, that's a part of it, but it's not the full thing, because like trees and plants are living, um, but they're not a person. So a person, what, what identifies a person is a person has a soul. So that means the Holy Spirit, if he's a person, has a soul. What's a soul? A soul is a mind, a will, and emotions. So uh, a person has a I call it a thinker, a doer, and a feeler. And the Holy Spirit has a thinker, the Holy Spirit has a doer, and the Holy Spirit has a feeler. So this person that lives inside of you has a mind, has a will, and has emotions. This is good news. You have someone, if you're born again, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and an emotion. Let me, let me prove it to you scripturally. Uh, Romans 8.27 talks about the mind of the Spirit. And the mind of the Spirit, John 14, 26, says that he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. What is all things? All things is all things. The Holy Spirit's all-knowing, and he lives inside of you, and he will teach you all things. It's crazy. He'll bring to remembrance what Jesus has said. John 16, 13, he will disclose things to come. He will talk about your future. Uh, the Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has thoughts. Um, the Holy Spirit wants his thoughts to become your thoughts. Uh, many of you, the issue with your life is not that you need prayer. People come and ask me all the time, Pastor, would you pray for me? What do you need me to pray for you for? I'm like, you don't need prayer. You need truth. You're asking me to pray that that thing would change, but the track record in your head is what's off. And those thoughts need to be crushed with truth. 
truth sets you free. It's wrong thinking. That is the problem. And the Bible says that we have been given the mind of the Spirit. So what do you think the mind of the Spirit aligns up with? Right here. In fact, you can't study the Bible without the Spirit. If you do, you'll just get puffed up in knowledge. And you'll become <laughs> arrogant and win arguments online. But your life, your life won't be transformed. It says knowledge puffs up, but there's an impartation that comes by the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth. And the mind of the spirit, you know, people say God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. And I agree with that. But part of sanctification is his thoughts becoming our thoughts and his ways becoming our ways. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no mind has conceived no ear has heard, no eye has seen. You ever heard that? Like, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, brother. No mind can conceive what God has prepared. And it's like, if you keep reading, it says, but he's revealed it to us by spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You can't know Jesus outside of the Holy Spirit. And the spirit has a mind. Um, so not only does the spirit have a mind, but the spirit has a will. Everyone say will. will. What's a will? A will is your doer. There's a will. The Spirit has a will. Uh, Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Um, Acts 16, 6, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Paul was forbidden to go to Asia to proclaim the gospel. But Jesus said to go into all the world and proclaim it. Am I right? So is the Holy Spirit violating scripture? No. The Holy Spirit is informing Paul how to apply scripture. Think about it. Jesus said, go into all the world. Paul's like, I'm going to Asia. Whoop, Holy Spirit forbid me. How did he know the Holy Spirit forbade him? Because the Holy Spirit speaks. And because the Holy Spirit has a mind and the Holy Spirit has a will. And Paul was submitted to the Spirit as the Lord of his life. How many of you are single in the room? Oh, quite a few people. That's like, I'm tired. I've, that's like the dumbest question on Sunday nights. I'm sorry. I repent as a leader asking you that. I'm sorry. It's like, it's, I'm sorry. Um, I won't ask that. There's a lot of single people in the room. Um, who are you supposed to marry? Tell me in the Bible. Who are you supposed to marry? Jesus. Okay, Jesus. That's a good answer. <laughs> oh, my God. That is awesome. Good answer. Yes. Okay, so get married to Jesus first, and then um, he says it's not good for a man to be alone. So who's he, who are you supposed to marry? Well, you're not going to find a name in here. I mean, I guess you could marry a Priscilla and stumble upon that, or <laughs> Esther, and somehow like... Weirdly, the Holy Spirit interprets something out of there. But my point is, is that you can't find it in here. Now, you can find the type of person to marry. You can, you can build a life that will, that will uh, attract the right person and, and build for longevity. Once that person comes, you can prepare for that person. But you need guidance in finding that person. Like Dallas, Texas isn't in the Bible, but I talk to people all the time. The Holy Spirit told us to move to Dallas, to be a part of the upper room. Amazing. I believe that. 
So there's, there's the written word, and then there's the revealed word or the spoken word by the Holy Spirit. Now, the two won't contradict, but the Spirit of God has a will. He has a will. He has a will, and he's looking for your will to be yielded to his. This is how you know the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has a mind, the Holy Spirit has a will, and then this is a part of, of the Holy Spirit that I, I've actually, um, I was taught uh, that these things could not be trusted, your emotions. And, uh, and I, 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 I believe that, like we shouldn't live by our feelings. Um, but, but your feelings under the Lordship of Jesus can be great servants. And uh, like joy is a feeling, peace is a feeling. In fact, many of the things that we experience that are negative, oppressive, anxiety, depression, those are feelings that are manifesting in the natural, but it's rooted in wrong thinking. And the Holy Spirit, as he gives you right thinking, feelings will emerge. And the Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit uh, bears fruit in your life that will produce healthy feelings. The fruits of the Spirit, the majority of them will produce emotions inside of you. Joy is an emotion. Where does that joy come from? Holy Spirit. Are you following me? So the Holy Spirit has, has emotions. Um, it can be grieved. Holy Spirit can be vexed. The Holy Spirit can be pleased. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, it's an interesting text that Paul is writing. And uh, he's been talking about being seated with Christ. But in Ephesians 4, he shifts into walking with Christ. So we're first seated with him. But from the place of rest, we then begin to walk. And he talks about walking in obedience. And there's a list of things. He talks about not having a hint of sexual immorality. He talks about not gossiping. He talks about like anger. There's a number of things that are practical pastoral instructions in Ephesians 4 and 5. But right in the middle of that, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? He's saying those things in walking with the Lord, you want to walk as if there's a dove on your shoulder. You want to walk as if there's one in you that... That, that is affected by your decisions. You can vex the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, one translation actually says to torment the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit has made himself vulnerable, hear me, vulnerable to your decisions. He's sensitive to your moves. He's sensitive to your thoughts. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has a mind, has a will, has emotions. The Holy Spirit is a person, which is beautiful. Um, and then I want to talk to you just about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Um, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 14 again. And it's in your notes as well. These beautifully crafted notes. Um, I, I want to... So the purpose of the Holy Spirit ultimately is to reveal Jesus. Everyone say amen. amen. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. <clears throat> and, so, and so that, that that's the big overarching purpose of the Holy Spirit. But I want to I show you how uh, the purposes of the Holy Spirit affect your life day in and day out. And, and this has been such a nugget of revelation for me. In John chapter 14, verse, uh, I'll start in 12. Um, this is a famous scripture that you know about. Uh, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Everyone say, he will do. <laughs> Who's he? He who believes. He who believes will do greater works. How many of you believe? Okay, a lot of believers in the room. 
So this is a big, big promise. So he who believes, put yourself in that. This is very specific. He who believes will do greater works. Why? Because he believes. But Jesus doesn't stop there. So there's a semicolon there. Is that what that is? What do you call that? Yes. Because I go to the Father. So he's talking about his ascension, exaltation, seated next to the Father. So we're going we're gonna to move into this theme here. And then uh, sometimes in the upper room discourse, it seems like Jesus is changing subjects. And so he's going to go from doing greater works because I go to the Father, and then he's going to move into prayer. He's going to talk specifically about prayer. So watch this. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Everyone say, I do. So whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Next verse. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we started out saying, if you believe in me, greater works will you do, but I'm going to go to the Father. And so I'm up in heaven with the Father. You're on the earth believing. And then he says, whatever you ask, I will do it. If you ask me anything, I will do it. Now, it's, it's awesome. I like cheer and I'm like, oh gosh, I, that should bolster my prayer life, right? Like, oh my gosh, anything? Anything. Whatever? Whatever. Okay, I'm praying. Okay, but here's what happens. Here's what happens. Here's my whatever. Here's my anything, which covers just about everything, am I right? That's all inclusive. So here's my whatever. Here's my anything. He didn't do anything. whatever, anything. And then you're just like, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, why, 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 like, it sounds good. It sounds good. It's like, yeah, you'll do it. But I've been praying about this, and you, it, it doesn't look like you're doing anything. Right? So I, I think we've got to reconcile, like, scriptures like this. I mean, they sound good, and it's like, what are you doing? But when the rubber meets the road, sometimes I'm like, ah, that isn't happening in my life. This doesn't line up to my experience. So the question is, what will he do? Well, let's keep reading. Okay, verse 15. Again, seems like he's changing subjects. If you love me, you will. Oh, another will. Who's he talking about? Me. So follow the thread here. 12. Believe in me you will do greater things because I go to the Father. When you ask me whatever, I'm up there, I will do it. Ask me anything, I will do it. You on the earth, though, if you love me, you will what? Obey me. Okay? Now, guess what? You're going to flip it again. You're going to talk about what he will do. Look at verse 16. I will. What will he do? I will ask the Father. What will the Father do? He'll give you another helper that he may be with you forever. He will be with you in your what? In your whatever. He'll be with you in what? In your anything. God answers every prayer by sending the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 15 is important because we need to learn to follow the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit as you present your whatever and you present your whatever-thing, what I'm learning about him is he always doesn't speak directly to the subject that I'm presenting him. And like, I'm talking about this, and all of a sudden he wants to talk about that. 
Am I right? Like, I'm talking to you about my finances. And he's talking to me about Jerusalem. (laughs) Jerusalem has nothing to do with my finances. Why are you talking to me about Jerusalem? I'm worried about my finances. A a prime example, and this is an example. I'm going to... Is this helpful? Okay, let, let me give you some prime examples, though. I'll give you some, like, practical life examples for me. And, and this is, again, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is knowing the Holy Spirit. This all fits under that subject. Uh, do you remember, well, <laughs> do you remember? Do you know that we have a space issue at the upper room? We've had one for about three years, four years. We've had it for a while. And uh, uh, I, I like, man, I, I have family... Uh, I have family, but I also have friends, close friends that no longer come to the upper room because there's just not enough space. Like little kids, they show up and they can't get in. They have to wait in line and they're like, you know, upper room's cool, awesome, but I'm going to go find a place where my kids can actually get in and, you know, we don't have to show up two hours early. And so I'm like, Lord, we need more space. And he called us to the urban downtown context. Like people are like, you can go to the burbs. No, he called us downtown. And so I have been praying for, for two years three years. Lord, we need a space. Lord, we really need a space. Lord, we have to have a space. Like I, I've done a 360 in prayer around it. You ever done that? And, you know, we tried CF&I. We, we tried some different things. It seemed right to me. It seemed right to the Holy Spirit. We've opened up services. We're still, there's more space here tonight than God's moving and working. But here's what happened. So we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Nothing's opening up. So the Lord started, well, there was an invitation. Sean Bowles, Rabbi Jason invited Larissa and I to go to Israel. I didn't want to go. And uh, it was the beginning of the year, 2020. And I said, I don't, I don't want to go to Israel. My wife, who is, you know, my personal Holy Spirit, says we're going. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to Israel. So we start the new year out, 2020. We go to Israel and my life gets marked. I get whacked. Next to knowing the Holy Spirit, Israel, God's heart for it. <sighs> He, he undid me. And so I come back. I have a dream, long dream, story short. I was supposed to take some of our young leaders back to Israel. I did that um, eight weeks later. So January, we're again in Israel, March of 2020. It was right when COVID came into Israel. And uh, saying all this because I'm, I'm, again, just following the Lord. I'm still praying about the building. I'm in the old city, Jerusalem, having shawarma and pita bread. And I'm sitting across from Rabbi Jason and his friend. And uh, actually, Rabbi Jason was over here. His friend's right here. And I'm like, hey, man, what's your name? And he tells me his name. I'm like, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Dallas. Whoa, dude, I'm from Dallas. Where are you from in Dallas? I live in the design district. You live in the design district? No one lives in the design district. Well, me and my family live in the design district. We did, I did a warehouse. And I was like, well, what do you do for a living? Commercial real estate. You're in commercial real estate, live in the design district? And you're having shawarma with me in Jerusalem. I'm like, what do you do for a living? Commercial real estate. Okay. You do commercial real estate. Yes. In the design. Yes. I need a building. He sits back, waits 30 seconds. He goes, I've got the building for you. Oh, really? He goes, we just purchased it. It's in the Cedars. It's on Wall Street. Three months later, we purchased that building from him with a million dollars in equity. It's now being renovated. We're supposed to move in June of 20, June, July, August, September, October, November, sometime next year. (laughs) Moving in. (laughs) 
It just keeps getting delayed. I, like sometime in the yonder, we're going to be there. What's my point? My point is this. Lord, I need a building. I could have met this brother at Ascension Coffee. I'm sure he goes to Ascension Coffee. I could have met him at Ascension Coffee. Lord, I could have met him right there. But no. You know what you did? You led me all the way to Israel in the old city to meet this brother. What did he do? He sent me help. It wasn't, it wasn't how I would have helped me. But guess what? I'm not Lord. He is. And here's the thing about the Lordship of the Spirit and the leadership of the Spirit is he does not move in straight lines. He does not, he does not take the shortest distance to your whatever anything. He's a river. Have you ever seen a river? Go up high and look at a river. Rivers do this. This is how rivers move, and this is how you get to know the Holy Spirit. You let him move. You let him take you. In your whatever, in your anything, you keep yielding and surrendering, and you keep saying, Lord, I trust you in my whatever, in my anything, but I know that you're sending me help. I shared this story this morning. I, I, when I was uh, 2011, we were broke. I didn't think Upper Room was going to plant. Um, we were in debt, and Larissa got pregnant, and uh, I didn't have insurance, and so we like estimated how much it would cost, and I had enough. I was short four grand for the birth of our kid, and so I was going to sell my car. My car was worth four thousand dollars, and uh, and so I'm praying about it. I'm like, Lord, I need four grand. I need four grand. I got to pay for my baby. And, uh, and so I was going to sell my car. So I'm praying. Blah, blah, blah. I've clearly heard from the Lord after a season of praying. I want you to give your car away. I'm, like, I'm not giving my car away. I'm selling it. I'm going to pay for my baby. Well, Junior Holy Spirit, Larissa, she starts praying and she comes and she's like, I feel like we're going to give our car away. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll give our car away. So there was a guy at the church that we were going to give it to, and he traveled a lot. It was actually Lance. You know Lance Wallnow was his assistant at the time. And so uh, Jonathan shows up, and I'm like, hey, bro, I, you don't have a car. I feel like I'm supposed to give you my car. He's like, oh, mate. He's British. That's amazing. I love your car. I love your car. It's, it's a white forerunner. I've always wanted a forerunner. And I'm like, okay, awesome. He goes, I'm going to go on a trip, and, and I'll get it to you when I get back. So two months go by. And... Um, it was August of 2011. Hannah would be born September. And Jonathan calls me up, and he's like, I'm in town. Can I come get the car? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he shows up. He shows up at like 4 or 5 at the old building. And I'm like, here's my car, bro. Enjoy it. And so he drives off, you know, and I'm like, Lord, I just gave away the four grand that I was going to pay for this baby. And... Uh, and so I walk inside where my wife was, and she's like, hey, get ready. we got to go to dinner. And I forgot we had dinner that night. And uh, an hour later, we walk into a couple's house, never seen them, met them, didn't know anything about them. And uh, we have a lovely dinner. It was awesome. And as dessert's being shared, the girls start talking, and this guy starts cornering me. And he's like, hey, man, tell me about your finances. <laughs> I'm like... They're good. <laughs> like, truly, I was like, I don't know you. Fine. Uh, 
well, do you have insurance? Kinda. I'm like, kinda? I'm like, well, no, I don't have insurance. He's like, well, how are you gonna pay for your baby? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, well, how much is it? I was like, I, I'm $4,000 short. He says, okay. He said, well, do you have any other outstanding debt? Or I know y'all are planning a church, you're young. And I was like, well, we have a line of credit out and unsecured. He's like, well, how much is it? So I shared with him. And, um, anyways, I was kind of embarrassed. And he's like, okay, let's eat dessert. So we ate dessert and we're leaving. And like, as soon as I'm walking out, he hands me an envelope. I go to the car. I'm not really thinking anything of it. I'm really slow sometimes. I get in the car and I give it to Larissa. And I'm like, he gave us this. And Larissa opens it up and she starts bawling. It was a check for 14 grand. four hours after I gave my car away. And the Lord, and, and listen, like now, now, like where I'm at, it's awesome. Like that's, that story at the time, I was like, you know, the Red Sea parting. But it wasn't about the 14 grand. It was about knowing the Lord as a provider. And it's about the river. It's like, it makes no sense in my whatever, in my anything, to give the car away. But the Lord was sourcing me with help to reveal to me that my ways are not his ways. His ways are better. And as I gave my car away, it actually positioned my life for multiplication. And, you know, we've now, like, I love when the Lord asks us to give stuff away. Because I, history with that. So what's my point? My point is that help doesn't always look like what you think it should look like. And that's good news for you. But in your whatever, in your anything, as you surrender, listen. And watch what he does. Watch how he leads. Larissa talked about daily bread last week. This is a part of it. It's knowing the Holy Spirit and knowing his leadership, knowing his guidance. Um, and so a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me read the rest of these purposes. Um, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and then I'll land this. Um, so the purpose of the Holy Spirit, this isn't exhaustive, but let me just read through that I wrote. Um, the Spirit convicts, and you can, you can run those out. I was gonna teach on those a lot, but I'm not going to. Um, the Spirit guides, the Spirit regenerates, the Spirit glorifies. The Spirit reveals Jesus. The Spirit leads you. The Spirit sanctifies you. The Spirit empowers you. The Spirit fills you, teaches you, bears witness in you that you're a child of God. The Spirit produces fruit and evidence of his work and his presence. The Spirit distributes gifts and manifestations. The Spirit anoints. The Spirit washes. The Spirit brings unity. The Spirit is a guarantee and deposit of a future resurrection. The Spirit seals. The Spirit sets free. The Spirit quickens your mortal body. The Spirit reveals the deep things of God. The Spirit reveals what has been given to you by God. The Spirit dwells in you. The Spirit speaks to, in, and through you. The Spirit is an agent in which you're baptized into the body of Christ. The Spirit brings liberty, transforms you. The Spirit cries inside of you, enables. Um, the Spirit supplies, grants, gives. It, uh, 
It makes you a habitation of God's presence. The Spirit reveals the mysteries of God. The Spirit strengthens. The Spirit enables you to obey. The Spirit enables you to abide in Jesus. The Spirit confesses that Jesus came in the flesh. The Spirit says, come, Lord Jesus, and will beckon the return of the Lord. The Spirit dispenses God's love into your heart. The Spirit bears witness to the truth. The Spirit teaches you. The Spirit gives you joy. The Spirit enables you to preach. The Spirit moves you. The Spirit knows the things of God. The Spirit casts out demons. The Spirit brings the things of Jesus to remembrance, the Spirit comforts us, and the Spirit designates positions and offices in the church. To name a few. <laughs> so I could talk about the in you and with you presence. I may do that a little bit more. Actually, next week, Michael Kulianos is going to be here on Sunday night. So I'll continue this another time, but um, I don't know if I was supposed to announce that, so let's keep that a secret. Uh, <laughs> But my friend Michael will be here. Uh, but there's, there's two notes, the in you and with you. The in you is the fruits, the with you oftentimes is the gift and manifestations. So here's some practicals. Pray this prayer this week. Here's the practicals at the end of the notes. Notes helpful, amen? Here's some practicals. Pray this prayer this week. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Get in a room, quiet it down, put some soaking music on, whatever you need, and just say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Larissa Miller, my wife, heard me teach for the first time a message like this. It wasn't this message. But I said, get in a room and ask the Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Larissa went home, didn't know she did this, but for a month at, uh, in the evening, she would just sit before the Lord. She didn't have any friends. She had just moved to Dallas, and she would say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. And it unlocked this prophetic flow and deal in her life. She says it was the, you know, one of the most transformative months for praying that prayer for her. Four weeks, I really encourage you to get in a room and tell the Holy Spirit, I want to know you. And, and pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to what you think. Pay attention to what maybe images and what comes in your imagination. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Take John 16, 14, John 16, 12, John 16, 15, John 16, 16. John, just take these scriptures and meditate on them and watch him feed you. Um, a prayer that's fair to pray and we're going to pray it here in just a second, is Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Everyone say that. Jesus, yes. baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Next week when Michael's with us, he'll go, Jesus? That's how he says Jesus. I heard myself. I heard Michael and me, Jesus. Sorry, having a moment. But the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. Here, this is in your notes. Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus, meaning you can't know Jesus and confess his lordship and be in Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you first meet Jesus, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but you just don't oftentimes know it's him convicting. It's him convincing. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you into one body. We baptize each other into water. But when, uh, in all four Gospels, uh, it says that Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. John baptized in water, but one coming after him will baptize you in the Spirit and in fire. So pray this prayer. Jesus Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. I pray it still to this day. It is fair game all the time. Do you have the Spirit? Yes. But this is a revelation of more of the Spirit, and I believe it's also him pouring out his Spirit in fresh ways, in new ways. Um, so pray that prayer often. Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. If you've never prayed it, pray it and pray it often. Uh, worship and prayer, engage the Spirit, and then uh, ask the Holy Spirit questions. The Holy Spirit loves questions. Ask him questions. Holy Spirit, what do you think of, what do you think of Jesus? 
Holy Spirit, what do you think of my job? Holy Spirit, what do you think of these relationships? Holy Spirit, what do you think of me? Ask questions. He has a lot of answers, and he's ready to speak to you. Amen? Is this helpful? You got faith? I know it's late, but you guys have sustained. You're here, and you're hungry. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just right now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to people in this room? And is there conviction right now? Is there conviction that we've grieved you? Or there's areas in our life that you want access to? And so, Holy Spirit, we give you access to them. And for those that have never encountered you, Holy Spirit, in a, in a tangible way, in a man, manifestation, um, I pray they'll experience that tonight. And so if, if, if that's you, if you're sensing like, man, this message is really landing in my heart, I want to know the Holy Spirit in this way. I want to know him in a new way. Would you stand to your feet? And I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just put your hands out like this if you're standing up. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, would you fall fresh on these hearts? Jesus, you said that you would baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'm asking right now that you, you baptize, you immerse, you overwhelm, you drench them inside and out with your Holy Spirit. You said it's your advantage, our advantage that you go away so that we could pray this prayer. So Holy Spirit, right now, fall. Jesus. Right now, Release the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in peace. And come in power. We give you the right to our lives. I I pray that gifts are activated. I pray supernatural gifts. I pray that dreams, visions, I pray dreams and visions dreams and visions, the revelatory realm, Lord, would open up in Jesus' name. I pray for new languages, Lord. I pray for tongues. I pray for groanings in the spirit. I pray for, uh, for uh, the language of heaven, Lord. I pray for angelic languages, Father, to emerge. I pray that you offend our minds, Lord. Take us outside of our boxes. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Descend from on high. Descend from on high. If someone's next to you, we just put a hand on them and we'll just declare, Holy Spirit, come fresh and new upon these hearts. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, oh God. Not by might, not by power, but not by might, not uh, by power, but by your spirit, oh God. That you would clothe us with power. You would clothe us with the clothing of the Holy Ghost, Lord. Put the Holy Ghost in and on us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Ho, 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 Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fresh fire, Lord. Fresh fire, Lord. 
Lord, we repent of ways that we've grieved you. We repent, Father, for ways that we've put you in boxes, and we ask that you obliterate our boxes. Come, Holy Spirit. More, 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 more. If you're praying over someone, just pray over them in the spirit. Just pray over them in the spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, come, come. Holy Spirit. Come, come, come. Fresh and new, Lord. Fresh and new, Lord. Fresh and new, Lord. Fresh and new, Lord. You said... You said by your word, Lord, that you would baptize us in the Holy Spirit. So from on high, send the Holy Ghost into this room, into hearts, into minds, into bodies, these temples of the Holy Spirit, oh God. No, 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 no. Come on. Two minutes, go. Pray, pray, pray. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 